Welcome back to another week of the JRM Sydney podcast. We hope as you listen into the word today that you will be inspired and empowered and that your eyes will be open to something new. God bless always. All right, there you go. Okay, the preaching of the message today I have entitled, you can have a seat, um, Running Well, Finishing Strong. Can you say that with me? Running Well, Finishing Strong. So last week we did 1 Timothy and today we're going to do 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, please open it up to... Nothing adjustments. So, as I was saying last week, you know, we are in a transition period. So, everything is kind of new with uh, what we are doing here because this is new, our Preston's building. So, all these are new. <laughs> and it's an exciting season. Everything that there is a transition season, there are inconveniences to it. But also, there is excitement. So when uh, Guevara family transitioned to coming here, for example, there's a little bit of inconvenience there, but it's exciting, right? Because it's a new season, it's a new chapter. And in our church, it's the same. You know, thinking about our plans uh, for uh, constructions in this place and the things that we really want to develop here, perhaps we're ga- if, if, depending on God's will and direction for us, If the Lord wants us to stay here for three or maximum maybe five years, who knows? But in that period, we're also praying that, you know, the Lord will uh, grant us and bless us to uh, be able to purchase our own, our own uh, property as a church, you know, a compound wherein, you know, I really dream of it, you know, our own building. Uh, We can hold facilities that can cater our ministry needs our kids' ministry will not just have a room. They will have a place to, to run around and play uh, uh, wild and free, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, there's so many dreams that the Lord is putting in our hearts. And, you know, uh, there, will all be, there will always be more dreams than resources. But it's God who will provide the resources to the dreams that He's putting in our hearts. And I just want to encourage you, whether us collectively as a church family or maybe you as your family, you know, uh, the breeding ground for miracles is expectation, anticipation. You know, when you have, you know, a dream in your heart, that's a, a, that's a breeding place for uh, miracles to take place. Amen? God only responds to faith. God only responds to faith. Whether it's a faith that you have for yourself, for your family, or a faith that you have for others, you know, your faith will always drive you to pray. And therefore, God responds to that. Amen? And in that, He is pleased. Amen? Can you close your eyes, bow your heads? Let's commit this time unto the Lord. Father, we give you glory. Lord, thank you for the opportunity once again that we can grow and learn from your word. And I pray, Lord God, that with the letter of Paul to Timothy, as we discuss it this morning, Lord, give us insight, Lord, that uh, I pray that inside our hearts we will be uh, reminded and strengthened once again by the word that you have given Paul uh, towards Timothy. Lord, we honor you, Lord. We are, Lord God, the modern-day Timothys, Lord God, and we want to receive this as if it was written directly for us. 
We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, running well and finishing strong. Who here loves running? <laughs> I know of one person here who used to go marathoning and triathloning, yeah? And uh, who loves Kuya Sai? Yay! You know, um, I just uh, remembered basically because this quote is what I want to emphasize on today as, as we preach the word. Uh, can we read it all together? Everyone read. One, two, three, go! The Christian life is not a sprint but a marathon, all right? Can I call Kuya Sai here for a quick one? <laughs> I just have a few questions, Kuya Sai. Come on. <laughs> all right, let's go. Uh, Kuya Sai, dito, dito, dito. What's, what's, the, what's the difference between a, a sprint and a marathon? A sprint is like when you, when you run, run so quick. Yes. And a marathon is like you have a pace. Pacing, yeah. So that you won't. You won't need. You don't. You don't get tired easily. That's right. Yeah. So the the sprint is this. The it's sprint. like putting your best time. Yeah. So sprint has a limited distance. Yeah. Marathon obviously has. It's like, it's like when you're doing the marathon, you have on, on your like uh, one kilometer or five hundred meters away from the yeah. crossing the finish line. Mm -hmm. You have to do the sprinting. Yeah. Because oh, you have right. you save all your energy for the last. Okay. Kilometer or uh, distance from the distance. What is the longest distance you've run on a marathon? 41 kilom 42 kilometers. 42 kilometers. Yeah. Wow, that's very long. <laughs> and then, to prepare for a marathon, what do you do? Train. Train, yeah. yeah. So and and eat, eat uh, yeah. the right food. The right food. And then it's not just one day before marathon. That you yes, of course, of course. How many days? It's like marathon? it's like six months to prepare. Wow, six months. At my at, at my age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Can we give a hand to Kuyasai? Thank you, bro. All right. That's really good. Um, I guess one of the few differences. One of the few differences of a sprint and a marathon, you know, in a sprint, what you need is speed. But in a marathon, you need endurance. You know, it's not necessarily the speed that you need, but endurance. Um, uh, you know, normally, for, for a sprint, you need talent. But in uh, um, a marathon, you need uh, to be fit. To be more fit, and just like what Chris I was saying, six months of preparation to be able to to run that. It's not a one-time track, but a lifelong course. The Christian life is like a marathon. It's not a one-time track. Okay, you do this, you do that, and then that's done. It is a lifelong course. In a marathon, it's not very important how well you start. What matters more is how you will finish. And that's why the message of this, uh, the, me the title of this message is Running Well and Finishing Strong. You know what? When I was in the youth ministry, we have a lot of 
uh, potential youth leaders. We were all discipled by our youth pastor, our leaders. And uh, to be honest with you, there are my batchmates. No, there are actually more young people during my time that are more promising than me. They speak better than me. They, you know, they they they're more promising, in a sense. And uh, it's a sad thing, you know, when the, the the people that you were running the race with during those times are not running the, the race anymore. They're not in the marathon anymore. And, um, you know, of course, and it's a prayer that I have in my heart that, uh, you know, they will still, you know, be going back to the race that is marked before us. When you look at the letters of Paul, um, you will always find that, um, symbolism or analogy that the Christian life or the calling of God in our lives is really like a, a you know, a, a race. And God wants us to finish strong. Can you say to the person next to you, God wants you, God wants you to finish strong. And there are ways and there are things that we have to remember through the letter to, to 2 Timothy that will give us the, somehow the idea, how do we finish strong? How? Because the enemy will always want you to, 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 want to take you off the track and uh, knock you out and knock you down. You know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> you know, uh, and sometimes we do. We get knocked down, but the important thing is that you get up back again and continue running. Yeah? Rest if you must, sabi nila, but don't quit. Because winners don't quit and quitters don't win. Amen? The voice of the enemy will always try to persuade you to quit. Never listen to him. Amen? Alright, let's go to the basics. Now, obviously, to Timothy is Apostle Paul's writing to his disciple Timothy. As we have discussed last week, 1 Timothy was uh, written at the time when uh, Apostle Paul was handing over the church of Ephesus to Timothy to pastor. Now, 2 Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, has been written three years to four years after 1 Timothy. So there's that gap time, and you would imagine that within that period of three to four years of Timothy pastoring the church in Ephesus, he probably could have grown a little bit more uh, mature at the time. And also, uh, that there were also some problems that probably have been solved, but also problems that kept on persisting within the church body. Now, you have to know that 2 Timothy is the last of the letters of the Apostle Paul because this is the letter wherein he was saying to Timothy, he is about to die. So he was about to be executed. So Paul was beheaded by the emperor Nero in a time wherein the emperor was going um, mad, crazy mad, literally crazy mad because uh, you know he was a very impotent emperor at the time. And when in the uh, in Rome, there almost half of the nation there was a fire that devoured almost half of the nation. And that's basically because of the impotence of Nero and a lot of the violence and all the troubles that's happening during that time. And what happened was Nero, as a scapegoat, said that the fire was the fault of the Christians. And this is the time wherein the Christians were brought into the Colosseums. You see those things that 
uh, in the pictures wherein they were being fed to the lions, men, women, and children. That to be a Christian is a crime. And if you're a Christian, you will be either fed to the lions, beheaded, imprisoned, beaten, and all that stuff. And uh, Paul was caught up in that season. And because he was the leader of the church, obviously he was going to be beheaded. And this is the last letter that Paul was trying to write to Timothy. And like every person who is about to breathe their last, everything that they are going to say is very, very important. The heart of Paul to Timothy in writing this letter is so that the gospel message would continue. He was passing on the baton. He was passing on the baton. He was, it was very, very uh, firm in saying to Timothy that the gospel message, this uh, faith, this practice, this pattern of the good doctrine that we have, these principles of the word of Christ should be passed on to the next generation. You know, we were talking earlier, and I think it's really a God-ordained um, moment that we have here in the service wherein our youth is leading the worship today. And uh, in my heart, I really uh, wanted to pray for our youth uh, later on after the, the word. And uh, that's the burden that Paul really had, that Timothy would continue the race and that he will finish it well. Because Paul himself declares that in first, uh, 2 Timothy 4.7, I have run the race, I have kept the faith, I have uh, finished the race. <laughs> I've run. I've run. <laughs> yeah, I run the race. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course God has set before me. And now, therefore, there awaits for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord has prepared for me, right? So, these lines that Paul is saying, you will see this in a lot of uh, epitaphs <laughs> of uh, Christians and Christian leaders. And just recently, we had our dearest spiritual mom. Pasora Ruth uh, Carlos, who passed away, and we are all witnesses to that, how well she ran her race and how, how, how she have kept her faith in the face of cancer and hardship and how she has finished strong. You don't want to get into the finish line with just your finger crawling. <laughs> you know? You want as Chris, I was saying, you want to be fit so that you will finish the race strong. For you to be fit, you have to drink lots of drink, drink lots of water. That's true. When you're having a marathon, you can't survive it without water along the race. You have to drink, 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 rehydrate, rehydrate, rehydrate. You can't expect to finish, run well, and finish this race strong if you don't drink water. So I'm just going back to that illustration again. Now again, this is the purpose of Paul. When writing this letter, he wants Timothy to leave Ephesus and come to Rome. In contrast to 1 Timothy, wherein he persuades uh, Timothy to stay in Ephesus and face the problems, this one, after three to four years, now Paul is saying to Timothy, come to me. Come to me. You know why? Because Paul at this point is very, very lonely. He's human. <laughs> He's about to face death. And though he knows he has finished the race well, 
He's very lonely. Why? Because as you read along the four short chapters of 2 Timothy, he was saying uh, and mentioning a lot of the people that has abandoned him. Do you remember Demas? It's here in First Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And a lot of other people, he says, in fact, he says that an entire congregation in Asia has abandoned him, which is very, very sad. And he is very sad at this point. So he's instructing Timothy to come to Ephesus. And the other thing is, the reason why he was instructing Timothy to come to Ephesus is because for the last time, he wants to encourage Timothy. You know why? Timothy is having a really, really hard time with the Ephesian church. He's very, very discouraged, and he is very, very tired. And he is about to give up the ministry that Paul has passed on to him. And that's why we'll see here in some of the verses that we will read that Paul is continually saying to Timothy to be enduring and persevering in the face of hardships. Um, every one of us experiences hardships and trials and difficulties in our lives. And every one of us need to hear someone encouraging us, you can't give up. You can't give up. You have to move forward. You can't quit. Can you say to the person next to you, never give up. Never give up. The person behind you, never give up. <laughs> All right. So that's basically the second purpose of Paul. And the third one is obviously the passing on of the, the baton. Now, in the entire, again, this is an overview of 2 Timothy. And this is just four short chapters that I'd like to encourage you once again to read this week, uh, heading towards your discipleship groups. This will be a great discussion for your DGs and lighthouses. So some of the major things that you will see here in the, uh, the letter to, to Timothy is number one, suffering is a standard part of the Christian experience. Suffering, especially during their time in the first century, just like what I mentioned, if you're a Christian, you will suffer. <laughs> so choose, do you want to be a Christian or not? Because if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to suffer. Now, in our generation right now, if you say that to people, you want to be a Christian, you will suffer. Do you still want to be a Christian? The Christianity, the, ver the version of Christianity that we have nowadays in the 21st century has become the convenient version of Christianity. The proliferation of the um, prosperity gospel that if you become a Christian, oh, God will bless you. God will give you everything you need. Now, that is true. And salvation is free. You don't have to, you, you, can't, you don't have to beat yourself up and do all the requirements of the law to be saved. To be saved, that's free. You know, God has given salvation for free. Amen? But discipleship is costly. And this is the framework wherein Paul emphasizes to Timothy that Timothy, if you want to run the race, you will have to pay the price. You will have to face the reality that there will be trials and challenges and you will overcome them. You will face them. It will not be absent, but God will use them to even more uh, enlarge your capacity and your maturity in the Lord. Amen? So the Christian's response to suffering, therefore, is faithful perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. 
And that's by the power of God. You know, you cannot persevere on your own, but by the power of God. And then, uh, he emphasizes once again in 2 Timothy to teach and preach the sound doctrine and never give up on, you know, uh, correcting those that are basically misleading the church in Ephesus. And then last but not the least, it's a choice to remain faithful or abandon the faith. In this uh, farewell discourse, uh, parang ano to, si Jose Rizal, di ba? He has ang huling paalam. <laughs> yeah? This is kind of like that. This is Paul's huling paalam. And for him, he is challenging Timothy, you have an option before you to keep running the race and remain faithful to your calling, fulfill your ministry, or abandon the faith just like everyone else who has abandoned me. That's what Paul is talking about here. Now, let's move on. Um, look at this. Verse 3, uh, after the greetings, in the, the general greetings, in verse 3 of chapter 1, uh, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. So Paul saying to Timothy, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Why do you think Timothy is crying? Why do you think? Uh, two, two things. You know, he knows that Paul is about to die. It was, he is his spiritual father. And secondly, he just can't bear the weight of the ministry anymore. And then, as an encouragement, Paul says to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am so persuaded now, it also lives in you. I love that our church is not just international, Jesus Reigns Ministries, it's not just international, but it's also intergenerational. Um, I love that our local church is not just, you know, one age group, but it's inter-age group. <laughs> um, and... That's what we are committed. We are grateful and thankful for the past, but we will always be, uh, you know, faithful to God for what He is He has in store for the future. And look at this: grandmother, grandmother Lois passed on to Eunice, the daughter, and Eunice passing on the faith to Timothy, her son. And that's our sacred duty as parents, above all else that we would pass on our faith and our commitment and love for the Lord to our children, that one day they, they too will understand and encounter the grace of God and in their heart decide that they will serve the Lord also. Amen? Are you following me? Good, good, good. All right, so let's go. Um, I, me I mentioned this, that the gospel message should not just be international but also intergenerational. Now let's go to chapter one, a quick one. Quick roundabout. <laughs> uh, we, 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 I'm just going to basically go pull out the major themes of it. And then in this week, I encourage you to look for it in these chapters. Number, uh, chapter one is a call to endurance. A call to endurance. All right. So a call to, a call to bold endurance, in particularly uh, towards the ministry, because this is Paul's letter to Timothy as a pastor of a church. Now, uh, ask the Lord a question this week. Lord, if this is a, pa a letter to the pastor, then I should just be, just for me, for example, in this context. 
Maybe it's just for me. But, but no, uh, the Lord says that we are all called to ministry. We are all called to ministry. Now, not full-time ministry as I would be in my capacity, but every Christian, the moment that you are saved is the moment that you are called. The moment that you are saved is the moment that you are called. What does it mean? That when God saved you, He calls you to serve Him. You are saved to serve. You are saved to serve. And that's why here in our church, we train people up. We encourage people. And, um, you know, in whatever capacity, not everyone will be able to preach. Not, able, not everyone will be able to teach. Not everyone will be able to worship lead, even if you really want to worship lead. But if you don't have the voice to worship lead, um, you can worship lead at home. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> now, I mean, there are people who has different capacities, different giftings, and different uh, callings, right? But all of our giftings combined together is what builds the church. Um, everyone needs everyone. Everyone say, every, everyone say, everyone needs everyone. Say, say the person next to you, I need you. <laughs> All right, so some of the instructions in chapter 1 that Paul is saying to Timothy is number one, fan into flame the gift of God in your life. So you have a gift, each one. You have to discover that. We will help you discover that. That's why you have to attend class 101, 201, 301, 401. <laughs> we will help you discover that and help you sharpen that. The, the, the instruction of Paul is to fan into flame the gift uh, that God has given you so that you can continue serving the Lord. Num number two is don't be a coward. <laughs> Cow coward. Tama ba yung pronunciation ko? In this letter is where you will find that famous passage, but God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of sound mind. The word fear there used in Greek, basically pertains to a, person, a soldier retreating in battle because he is afraid. And this is Paul saying to Timothy, never retreat, never back down, never give up. It can get tougher, but never give up. You know what? Commitment to the Lord, to the church, is tested when the going gets tough. When it's not convenient, anymore. That's when commitment is truly tested. Even in your marriages, is that correct? <laughs> commitment is truly tested. Perseverance, endurance, <laughs> you know, is only tested when it's already becoming difficult. Okay, so that's number two. And then don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel and don't be ashamed of me who are that is in chains. And the context here in verse 8, 9, and to 12 is that because nga, uh, there are people who have abandoned Paul because they are ashamed of Paul being in chains during that time. They don't want to associate with Paul because during the time, as a Christian, as I've said, you will be labeled as a criminal. Yeah, you are guilty without even entering a trial. <laughs> Uh, and then number four is the encouragement of Paul to Timothy is follow the pattern of the sound teaching, which we basically uh, talked about last week. I won't um, emphasize on that. 
Also, guard your heart. This is chapter one. Guard your heart. Guard the deposit that the Lord has given you. Uh, how do you run the race well and finish strong? All right, I need a microphone because our online uh, attendees need to hear me. All right, guard your heart. Can you say to the online attendees, guard your heart? Shout it out, come on, guard your heart. Praise. All right. Guard your heart. If your heart is not healthy, how can you run? If your heart is not healthy, diba? Before you enter a marathon, they, they check your, if you're physically healthy or fit to do it. Because sometimes you just want to do it, but you're not physically fit. Right? So you have to have a healthy heart to be able to run the race well and finish strong. And then, last but not the least, do not be a deserter. This is basically Paul saying to Timothy, all of them have deserted me. And he was saying to Timothy, don't desert me. Don't desert me. Don't turn away now, especially it when it becomes harder this time. All right, chapter 2 is, the, the first one is a call to endurance. And then chapter 2 is a call to discipleship. And this is what real discipleship is all about. First one, it begins with Paul encouraging Timothy that grace is given so that we, we can be strengthened. Now, when we ask God for grace, God, give me grace, give me grace, give me grace. The purpose of grace is so that you can be strengthened. And the purpose of strength is so that you can press on and continue running. Yes? Is that correct? There's no use asking for grace if you're just lying in the couch doing nothing. Grace is to be utilized. Amen? Amen. This is serious new. <laughs> Amen. Am I talking to someone today? All right. You can say amen. That just means yes. If you don't want to say amen, just say yes. <laughs> All right. Number two is be a dis Sorry, that's a typo error. Be a discipler. Be a discipler. In the youth ministry before, we have what we call Code 222. And I'm going to teach this to the young people as well. Code 222. What is Code 222? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what is that? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 basically says, uh, The things that you have heard me say in, uh, in the front of many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will also be able to teach others. So this is what discipleship is all about. The reason why we're teaching the next generation is that the next generation may be able to teach the next generation. And just like how I received it from my spiritual parents, from my mom, uh, you know, uh, I'm teaching it down, down, down to the younger people. So, hey, young people, look around you. Look around you. These are your and uh, 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 kuyas and ates. Look at the young people. God's mandate for discipleship is given to you 
not just to me, not just to Clint, not just to Mylene, to us. To nurture, care, protect, empower, equip, encourage, love these young people. Young people, we love you. We believe in you. And uh, always remember that if you need money, not me. <laughs> Them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on. Number three, suffering is a friend. Amen? That's a hard pill to swallow. But this is what discipleship means. Suffering. Is a friend. It's not that we are masochists. The suffering that we're pertaining here is the suffering of discipline. It's painful to discipline yourself, isn't it? It's more convenient to wake up in the morning and not do anything, just lie in bed. But you have to get up in the morning because you're going to go to school, you're going to go to work, you have to cook for your kids, you have to do this, you have to do that. Discipline is painful. Yes? Those who are trying to build their muscles and build their stamina in the gym, why are they putting pain in their body? <laughs> That's called discipline, right? Because they want to achieve something. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is pertaining to the Christian to be like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. What do they have in common? The soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. What do they have in common? Discipline. Everyone say discipline. Yes? If the soldier will not be disciplined to train, then when he goes to war, he might be the first one to die. If the athlete will not train, just like what we're talking about today, then he will not be able to compete in the games properly or win the trophy. Or if it's an, a, a marathon, won't be able to run well and finish strong. Amen? If a farmer will not get up in the morning and be diligent in taking care of the crops, there will be no harvest. Don't expect to receive anything where you don't plant a seed on. You know, sometimes you just pray, Lord, give this to me. I need a new job. Hindi ko naman apply job? How can you have a job you're not even applying? Lord, I want to have a high grade in my exam. You don't study. What, what's that? There's no magic <laughs> in, in Christianity. Study. God will give you wisdom, endurance, patience, presence of mind. On the day of your exam, He will remind you of the things you studied. You will get a high grade. And the young people says... Yeah! <laughs> Amen. How can your marriages be healthy if there's no sowing of kindness, of good words, of encouragement, of patience, of things like that? Amen? Is this applicable or not? To be a Christian is to be disciplined. Can you say to the person next to you, to be a Christian is to be disciplined. That's the reason why we are called disciples from the word discipline. You know, 
when uh, a master or a teacher like kung fu, for example, they they have a protege. You know, they have a discipline that they are passing on to the student, right? And for us adults, yeah, kuyas and ates, nanais and tatais, what are the disciplines that we are gonna pass on to the younger generation? Younger generation, what are the disciplines that you are gonna look for in your ates and kuyas that you will adapt in your life because you know it's gonna help you in your future? Are you following me? This house is uh, made up of men of God. Amen? Men of God. Amen? So young boys, young, young men. I'm, 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 I'm not saying this in a sarcastic way. I'm really glad. I'm really, really glad that our young boys will be growing up in this house having models of men of God that are worth following. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. And young women, young women. There are a lot of a lot of spiritual moms in this house that are worth emulating. Look at those disciplines. Look at those principles. Because these young people are gonna look and watch you. They will only do what they see. And it's our responsibility to model it. Amen? Is this uh, a straightforward message or what? <laughs> and this is helpful, right? Because we are building the house of God. Not just physically, but also character-wise and spiritually. Amen? Our duty to handle... the uh, Yeah, so the key to endurance, number four, is as Paul is saying to Timothy that the key to endurance is remembrance. In verse 8 to 13, basically what Paul says there is remember Christ Jesus. Yeah, we have a similar passage in Hebrews, you know. Um, uh, uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. So as you fix your eyes on Jesus, whatever hardship, difficulty, trial, or pain that you're going through right now, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, the key to endurance is that. He has already overcome. And therefore, I will overcome. Amen? Number five is our duty to handle the word correctly. And this is um, very, very important. I have a very, very high regard to this because I believe that if we believe right, we will live right. And that's why the biblical principles has to be taught well and to be understood by each and every one of us. We can't be misled. Amen? And I encourage you that even as we uh, teach and admonish you the words of God, I pray that you will also develop in yourself a personal discipline to study the Word of God for yourself. Amen? So that you will be able to handle the Word of God correctly. So that when other people, your workmates, your neighbors, say to you, Hey, are you a Christian, right? Yeah, I am. Uh, what do you say about this? You would know and be prepared how to answer. Because you know what the Word of God says. Amen? Alright, and then uh, lastly in that chapter 2, through discipleship means that you are turning away from iniquity and fleeing from every form of impurity. And uh, I don't have to itemize all of that. It's been mentioned in many of our past letters as well. 
it's quite the same. But in here, he's emphasizing on uh, uh, arrogance and uh, sexual purity in, in chapter 2. Okay, chapter 3 na tayo. A call to godliness. <laughs> okay pa ba kayo? Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? Alright. So, again, all this will make sense as you read the whole uh, book this week. A call to godliness. Number one is a call to what? Endurance. Amen. Thank you, KG, for listening to me. <laughs> Number two is a call to discipleship. And this is a call to godliness. And there are just basically three things that Paul is emphasizing. Short chapter three, avoid godlessness. I want to read it, actually. Um, it says here in verses one to five of chapter three, but understand this. That in the last days, we are in the last days. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people, hello, COVID, what do you call that? Difficulty. <laughs> there will be days of difficulty. People will be what? Lovers of self. Selfie. Okay. All right. No, not, not particularly that, but lovers of self, lovers of money. Proud, this is what defini the definition of godlessness. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. Okay, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, not loving good, Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such things. Uh, in 1 Timothy last week, in chapter 4, there is a verse there in the verse 1 well, where Paul says, The Spirit directly tells me, that there will be people who will abandon the faith. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And in here, it's almost as if Paul is also saying to Timothy, never associate with these people. If you want to run the race well, don't run with people who's not on the tracks. Amen. And then he encourages, obviously, godliness. And he was saying here in verse 10, You, however, Timothy, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. You know, the word sufferings here is mentioned about 12 times in just four chapters. And it's so true because he is in the face of suffering. That's his condition at this point. And he also, here's the thing, Verse 12 of chapter 3. Look at this. This is what I was saying earlier. Indeed, everyone read it together. One, two, three. Ah, sorry. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Good news. <laughs> now, of course, 
we don't face the same kinds of persecution that they have na beheading, you know, being torn by horses, being burned alive, you know, things like that. But we do have our own forms of persecution nowadays. Persecution, kakambal siya ng obedience sa Panginoon. You know, it's the twin, the twin of obedience to the Lord. Why? Because this world is going in a different direction. And when you choose to go the right direction, your barkada will laugh at you. You will be called names. You will be mocked. You will be... Those are persecutions. And that's why a lot of people are ashamed to let other people know they are Christians. Because they are thinking at the back of their head. And even in this scenario as well, that's why Paul is saying to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And he, it, it's the reality that when, you know, sometimes when people know that you are a Christian, they will now, you know, keenly observe you. And one mistake, they will say, ah, oh, Christian ka pa naman. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to encourage you on that. Um, and then, Last but not the least, confidence in the Word. This is where that famous passage is found. All Scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Second Timothy is uh, ultimately my favorite, one of my favorite, I know uh, I say this a lot, but this is really, really, really my favorite letter of Paul, Second Timothy. That's why a lot of the Verses here I almost memorized because I've read this again and again and again and again. And every time you read it, you will really be encouraged. Amen? Um, all Scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness to equip you, the saints, to do the good works that God has called you to do. Amen? So that's our responsibility. That's uh, as your leaders in the church, as your pastors, you know, to teach you. And also to rebuke you. And that's my least favorite part of my job description. The moment that I need to rebuke you. <laughs> because it's heartbreaking and I don't know how you will respond. <laughs> it's like what we are talking about, Jehovah Jireh DG last Friday. It will be great. It will be amazing if, if, you know, if I rebuke you. I was talking to Jehovah Jireh DG. Uh, if I rebuke you, and you will be humble enough to accept the rebuke because then it will be easier to correct them. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and then training towards righteousness. We will not just rebuke you and point out what's wrong and then leave it at that. We want to rebuke you because you're going the wrong direction and it's going to harm you, it's going to hurt you, and then correct you to run the track again, the right track. You're on the right track. A lot of things are entering my mind right now. Confidence in the Word. So that's basically it. And last but not the least, this is a call to legacy. A call to legacy. Everyone here that's hearing my voice, God wants you to leave a legacy. What is a legacy? You know, you don't really have a success if you don't have a successor. Did you get that? You know, even if you become the most quote-unquote successful businessman or this career or that person or this person, you have the biggest house, the grandiose car, but if you don't have a successor 
who you have raised up, trained, built up, empowered, to leave all those behind, it's not really success. The life of Christianity is a life of legacy because it's always one generation towards another. Amen? You know, in five years' time, young people, you will not probably be youth anymore. You'll be adults as well. And there will be a new generation of young people. And perhaps, you know, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, perhaps some of us will not be here anymore physically. The church will be left to you. Oh gosh, pressure. <laughs> but don't worry, that's 10 years from now. <laughs> we have 10 years to work out our things, you know. <laughs> but that's the thing, that's our mindset. We'll always hand it over to the next generation. But don't worry, it's, you know, for the adults who are here, the ates and kuyas, nanays and ates, we don't believe in, you know, shelving you or, oh, we don't need you anymore. No, 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 no. The sign of God for the church is always the combination of the wisdom of the old and the strength of the new. The strength of the new is not enough. They need the wisdom of the old to go alongside them. Amen? So right now, if you don't have anyone that you are discipling, maybe this is the time where God is telling you, you have to think about it. Because the word of God and the command of the Lord Jesus to us is, go and make disciples. Amen? A call to legacy, this is it. Preach the word in every season. Be prepared to give an answer to the hope that you profess so that everyone who hears it may be saved. And then number two is endure again. Paulit-ulit po ito. Endure, 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 endure. Persevere. COVID, persevere. Endure. Hospital, persevere. Financial problem, persevere. Relational rift, persevere. Endure, endure. Sadness, endure. Most of the time, that's for me. Endure. <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> endure hardship, do the work, fulfill the ministry. As simple as that. Endure hardship. Yes, there's hardship, but should that hardship stop you from doing what God called you to do? No. Endure hardship, do the work, fulfill your ministry. That's our mandate. And then number three, this is where it is. Legacy. This is where our favorite, you know, life verse of many leaders that I know. When Paul says to Timothy, you know, fight. In First Timothy, in First Timothy, there's twice that Paul said to, Timoth to Timothy, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. But here in 2 Timothy, he says it to himself. I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. And there before me lies a crown of righteousness. Amen? The crown of righteousness. Wow. It's a day we're in when we face Jesus, you know, after this life is over. And we will realize, you know, of course, there's no other treasure greater than the Lord Jesus himself. Um, I remember uh, Pastora El, uh, Ligaya, our, our uh, spiritual mom in the church, Reverend Ligaya Javier. He, she was saying, 
Um, she was saying before, as a form of prayer in her earlier years, no, Lord, I don't really need the crowns. Lord, I just need you. I just want to see you. You're the treasure of heaven. I, I don't even need the crowns, you know. Even if I don't have a crown, as long as I just see you, it's okay. And then, eventually, the Lord changed her mindset. Because in Revelations, it says that the saints are laying down their crowns at the feet of Jesus. So her prayer now becomes, Lord, I want to have the crowns. Why? Because I want to have something to lay down at your feet. I aim for the crown, not for the crown's purpose alone. But when I face Jesus, you know, when I meet Jesus face to face, I want to be crowned. I want to be said that this Christian, this son of mine, this daughter of mine, he or she has run the race well, has been faithful in the face of hardship, did not give up, finished strong, have been faithful and relentless and persevered in all of the challenges and difficulties that faced her way. And she remained, you know, fixed her eyes on me. He fixed his eyes on me. And now, therefore, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is the crown of righteousness. And when we are there at the celebration and the ceremony and the celebration of our king, we will bow down our knees and place our crowns at his feet. Amen. Would you like to have a crown? Run the race well. Would you like to have a crown? Finish strong. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, would you just give the Lord the best claps of praise? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. And how did Paul finish his race? Here's his very secret. Chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, I'll call on the worship team to come here in front. At my first defense, no one came to my support. Look at this. This is Paul saying <laughs> he is alone. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side. You know the secret to Paul's running the race well and finishing strong? The Lord stood at his side. The Lord stood at his side. Whenever he felt alone, he knew he was never really alone because the Lord stands by him. He says there, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Do you need strength today? Do you need strength today? Do you feel alone? You know, the Lord promises strength to those who are weary. He increases the power of the weak and gives grace to the weary. So that, now it's not just, you know, running the race and feeling good about it. There's always a purpose. God gives His empowerment to the obedient. God gives His empowerment to the one running the race. When He said, Behold, I am with you to the very ends of the age, that is basically precipiced by go and make disciples into all the world, teaching them to, to, to obey everything that I have commanded you. 
And then He promises, I am with you. Sabi ni Paul dito, so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Remember the Colosseum? The Lord, maybe this word is a word for someone here today. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. And He will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. This is Paul's confidence. What hardships do you have? What persecutions you are facing? Whatever difficulties that you are, you know, might face. Not, maybe not now, but in the future. Remember this, the promise of the Lord. He will rescue His own. He will rescue you. He will rescue you. Young people, He will rescue you. When there are bullies in your school, He will rescue you. He will stand up for you. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You want to run the race well? You want to finish strong? Know that the Lord stands by you and perhaps running alongside you. You know what? What makes a marathon? I've experienced marathon as well in my younger years. What makes marathon more bearable? The weariness of it, you know, the ah, kaya ko ba ba to? Can I still do this? You know what makes it more bearable? If you're running alongside your friends, you are not meant to run alone. Not meant to run alone. Because when you're running alongside your friends, your brothers and your sisters in Christ, there's someone, when they see you, you know, lawit na hindi lamo, hindi na kaya, you know, and you're doing hiking, your friends will say, kaya mo yan! You can do it. Come on. Come on. Let's go. We can run this together. We can finish this together. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. Never give up. Amen? That's what makes it more bearable. And ultimately, the voice of the one who have called us to run that race, the Holy Spirit Himself who says, you can do this. I am with you. I am with you. Amen? Would you all rise up to your feet? Hallelujah. Give the Lord the best claps of praise. Acknowledge Him with you today. Hallelujah. In all the days of your life. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on. Join us in worship. Oh, we worship you, Father. We give you thanks. Thank you for joining us in today's episode and we hope that we will have you again in the next one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile over you and give you peace. Shalom. God bless you.